the biggest thing to to figure out at the top because if the company's supportive of it or not supportive of it, that's going to dictate how it falls out. If they're supportive of it, that's something that they understand is going to drive business for them in the long run if you do it well. So if they're smart, they should be empowering you to do that and just say, you know, use common sense. Don't be spending all your time on this. Still get your job done, but we're all for it. Welcome to Rep Your Brand, a podcast for B2B marketers who are looking to build their career through a strong personal brand. Rep Your Brand is hosted by Nick Bennett, one of LinkedIn's top voices on field marketing and personal branding. In each episode, Nick captures stories on how to overcome the challenges marketers face with growing their brand. So if you're a marketer looking to open doors and create opportunities that you never thought were possible, then listen in to get tangible tips and strategies to build your very own personal brand. Hello and welcome to another episode of Rep Your Brand, a podcast for B2B marketers who are looking to build their careers through a strong personal brand. I'm Nick Bennett. This podcast is brought to you by my friends at Motion. They're a done-for-you podcasting service for scrappy marketing teams and B2B tech. The two of the nicest guys around and the work that they do is truly world-class. You can find them at motionagency.io. And today I'm, I'm super pumped because our guest is someone that like, I've honestly, I love everyone at Refine Labs content, but like our guest is someone that has literally elevated his content game the last year. So I'm super pumped to announce Sam Keenly, VP of Demand Generifying Labs, and someone that's an ops absolute must follow on LinkedIn. Sam, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. How do I get that kind of like walk up for for everything that I go into? I'm just gonna start calling <laughs> you for that. Absolutely, for sure. So I want to kind of give you a couple warm-up questions here. So your LinkedIn profile talks about wanting to be a professional soccer player, physical therapist, psychologist. How did you end up getting into B2B sales and marketing? By failing at all three of those. Now, jokes aside, grew up obviously wanting to do all those types of things. But my family has had an advertising agency for three generations back home. That's up in Ohio. And Trent is a traditional print radio, TV, all of that. So as I start going through college, my dad's like, do you want to take it on? And dad, I love you. I don't want to be stuck in Northwest Ohio. I don't want to be doing print radio TV anymore. So I grew up around it, which was ultimately what really led to just, you know, when you're involved in those conversations, you're seeing all of that happening over time. You just, you start getting used to it. So when I went to college and I went to a school that had incredible medical engineering programs, but business just, it made sense. It clicked. So I was like, I'm just going to lean into what comes naturally to me at this point. And from there, just followed the marketing management track, ended up getting a major in that. And then when I went on, took my first job over at Blackwood, everyone starts entry level as it was called an ADR at the time, account real account development representative. Now BDR, SDR, I mean, it's all the same thing more or less, but did that track. Um, great learning opportunity. I found I did not want to go into sales. I could hit a quota, but doing that cycle month over month was not my cup of tea. So I was like, let's go marketing and keep doing that. So from there, followed the marketing path at a large established B2B company. And that was kind of the the trajectory from there. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's funny because I was in sales before I switched over to, to marketing as well. And it's like, I was kind of that same mindset. Like I was hitting my numbers without an issue, but like having that quota hanging over your head every quarter. It's like, am I going to be making money? Like, is this something that like I want to stress out about? And I'm not a person that stresses out. Like, and this will go, I kind of go into my next question, but like, are you a stressful person? Not too much, but I intentionally try to avoid it. I know like what things do stress me out. Yeah. With that, I knew it's like, again, you're the same way you, we could hit the goals, but do we want to be doing that for the next 40 years? So 
Yeah. Learn to avoid those types of things. Yeah, for sure. And so on LinkedIn, you you talk, your Friday food for thought updates is honestly, it's something that I look forward to. Like what prompted you to start talking about like health related topics? Yeah, honestly, it was, what do I enjoy talking about? It was selfish in the sense that if I'm going to, you know, if I, I want to get on LinkedIn and start sharing things, like I love marketing, I can talk marketing all day, but to me, it's like, you need to add personality or just what's the person behind it. So I was like, if I want to do this and really connect with people, let's talk about things that I care about and can genuinely help people with also. So for me, it's, it's health. I grew up playing sports, played soccer through college. And then after that, it was, how do I continue to keep this in my life? I know a lot of former athletes can probably relate to, it's like you devote all of your days to practice, to sport. And then all of a sudden it's just like, hang up your cleats, you're done. It's like, well, that was such a big part of my life. I still want to exercise, be healthy. So how does that then tie into the work world? And so now it's okay, I might not be waking up at 5am for workouts and stuff. But how do I tie that in with my desk job now and helping there's so many other marketers, sales reps, people who are in this position where it's you're sitting all day, what are the things that I'm learning that I can share that just help on that lens. So that's a big part of it. And those are the things that I love to read in my free time. So I love to just share things that I learn. So that's another thing where I'm just like, how can I continue to just help spread that message? Nice. Yeah, that's it's I played baseball all growing up through college and I still play now, but it's similar. Like I sit at my desk all day and it's like I've been remote for eight years, so I hate going to offices, but like I have to get up and like move around. Like I go for walks twice a day. I just go and like chill out because I can't look at a screen for, you know, eight, nine hours a day. It's so crazy. What are your thoughts on do you do anything similar? Like you're similar to me. Like, do you get up like multiple times a day, go for walks, like what's your schedule look like? Yeah. I don't know if you can see it right now. I'm literally standing as we speak. So when I started this job as full-time remote, I was like, all right, I'm getting a standing desk. I'm going to make it. So yeah, I did all of that to make sure that I have the setup for this, but we have two dogs. So luckily I have a reason that I have to go out and get outside multiple times a day. So walk them in the morning, walk them at lunch, walk them in the evening. So those are non-negotiables. I mean, I have to do it for them. But outside of those types of things, it's still carving out time where I like to try to get to the gym three, four times a week at a minimum. So setting aside the time, putting out my calendar to say, I will be doing this. I play in a couple soccer leagues still where I pretend that I'm still able to stretch for balls that I should not be stretching for. So that then leads to you should probably do some more yoga and stretching, that type of thing. So really just figuring out how to incorporate that into my day to day. But a lot of it's there are times like this is a a call I definitely want to take face to face. But there's other internal meetings where you don't have to be on Zoom. Let's just pop in headphones. We can all go for a walk and talk about this. But we don't we're not sharing screens. You don't have to be here. So really trying to empower our team to figure out what are the things that you need to be in front of a screen for and whether where others where it's go hang out with your family. If you've got a new baby, hold your baby and you know, you can hop on the phone, put it on mute when you're not doing anything, but just have a life outside of staring at someone in a screen. So true, man. So true. Let's, let, let's dig into Refine Labs. So, I mean, as someone that follows a majority of the people at Refine Labs, You all have great personal brands and you demonstrate how having a personal brand is beneficial to the organization. I feel like some companies are starting to catch on to that similar philosophy. I know at Alice, myself, Pete, like we have kind of a similar mindset. And so I'm curious, how does dark social look for you? And I know Chris talks about this, but in in your mind, like how does dark social look for you? for how you think of your time at Refine Labs? For me, it's the leading into Refine Labs. It was kind of like that aha common sense 
type thing that we couldn't quite put our finger on. So thinking about my last company was a large publicly traded company. It's how are business decisions made when you're making a large purchase, things like that. So I'll do this with clients. Now I'll just, I'll ask the CEO, the head of sales, whoever say, think about the last purchase you made. What did you do leading up to it? And usually it's, oh, I spoke with my colleague or peer over here. I listened to this thought leader. I saw a podcast, a video. One of my directs shared it via Slack. I don't know why I'm deepening my voice for this, but yeah, usually it's going to be all of these things that they're saying that are dark channel, dark funnel, dark social, whatever you want to call it. These activities that aren't being tracked by attribution, that's all leading up to that organic search where everyone's like, SEO is working. It's like, no, SEO is just not even what captured it. You just, your website showed up when they searched your name. So all of those things feed into this last touch attribution that too many people hyper-focus on. But when they take a step back and talk about all of those things that led into that decision, that's where it starts to click and like, oh, you do have a point we should be investing in figuring out how do we spread better word of mouth? How are we making sure that we're creating content that's easily shareable? All of that. Yeah, I agree with you for sure. I think that's made a big difference. You're just kind of talking about it more. I feel like it's already always been there, but not enough people were talking about it. And I'm curious, do you, within kind of your, your KPIs or metrics, is posting on LinkedIn or social in general part of something that, not that you're required to do, but it's part of like, hey, like these are things that I want to achieve posting, you know, daily for this quarter or whatever. Yeah. Personally, I have goals for myself. It's 100% self-imposed where I just like to do it from my standpoint. At our company, it's a lot of, if we want our team to do it, set the example at the leadership level. So Chris has done a great job of it. Megan's done a great job of it. And that disseminated all the way down as the teams continue to grow. We do have individual success plans. And one of the things that we do is, is we do have a marker for, are you active on, on LinkedIn or in different communities? But for us, we tell them that's an extracurricular. That's not something that we would ever withhold. Like if you don't do that, we're not going to keep you from advancing in your career. It's just something that, that we like to know and say, are you working on it? Great. We have a, a lot of support here that can help you with it if you want to continue to improve it. But it's not a requirement by any means. Yeah, no, I mean, it makes sense for sure. Like when it comes to building an audience for yourself, I feel like you've done a really good job. I feel like what you talk about, like take today, what you were giving away, you're providing value first. And I feel like sometimes people have the mindset of like, ask, 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 give, but you're more of that like give, 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 give. I never actually see you ask for anything. But what are some of the, the most common misunderstandings that marketers make when it comes to building an audience in your mind? That you have to be an expert to share the insights or things that you've learned along the way. I think that was, I mean, for me personally, that was the biggest thing that I was for the longest time was like, what does my opinion matter in this? Like, I don't have enough experience or exposure to it. So that's probably the biggest thing. And then it started to change over the past couple of years, but for a while it was, everything has to be this high quality production. If I'm gonna do a video, it's gotta be top notch. If I'm gonna do an animation, it's gotta be phenomenal. Now you see stuff that's shot in an iPhone. I do hand drawings, but it's all more relatable because you can tell like that's just someone that's doing their job that wants to help. And it's more just gritty in the sense that you feel like you're actually talking to that person or creating that relationship instead of this brand logo and you have no idea who's behind it. Yeah, it, it's so important too. It's like, I feel like, and I feel like the more people that do it, it I mean, it only amplifies the brand that you work for. And I've, I mean, I've noticed this personally where the number of opportunities that I've been able to drive is just from posting content daily. Do you feel like 
when you were at BlackBot, you know, you went from the ADR role to digital marketing and like you were there for seven years. Like, how do you feel like that journey has kind of made you who you are as a VP of Dimension today? Yeah, I learned a lot there. It was a phenomenal experience and especially getting exposure to behind like what goes on behind the scenes at a large B2B company. How are decisions made? Where do processes excel or break? What leads to good or poor performance with certain things? So that was one of those things where I was just, how do I get to be a fly in a wall for as much as possible? So sitting in on meetings above me to hear those conversations, a lot of them were so I could get a better understanding of what's the company's focus? What are the goals before they start getting cascaded down to me? So for the longest time, it was, Sam, go drive leads for us. I'm like, cool, got it. Let's do it. Let's go, let's go drive leads as cheap as we can. I did that. And then later on, I started to understand that the goals that were cascaded came from revenue targets and these other things, which, you know, our stance on that, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but that's when it started to click is there are so many other ways that we can get to this goal outside of just more volume, more spend. How do we get more intelligent in that? So that's when I started to think more strategically in the sense of what's everything else that marketing can or should be doing outside of just this end goal that you're given? Because oftentimes, you know, that's what leadership knows. But how do you educate them also on, you know, that's great. There's other ways that we can do it now, especially in marketing. It's always changing. So being able to share your your voice and opinion on totally get where you're coming from. But if we tighten this one conversion rate up 1% by inserting Chili Piper, for instance, like that's a world of a difference. And we don't need a thousand leads anymore. Now we need 500. So that's where I think the knowledge and, and everything that I learned in my previous experience at Blackboard really helped shape to, to where I'm at today and understanding how to make that connection from exec to individual contributor and, and the executor. Nice. Yeah, that, that's really well said, because like, I feel like that's some of my goals. Like my goals are like non-qualified to qualified pipeline, moving percentage points, only a few percentage points, because it breaks into like the number of actual opportunities that you need. And then from qualified, we trust as like demo stage to close one. If I can improve that by like eight percentage points, it just skyrockets. That's really well said for sure. Now, I'm curious. How active were you active at all on LinkedIn when you were at BlackBot? Or was it like, is this more of like when you joined Refined Labs, you started to get more active on social? Yeah, active is, I can't even like pretend to say I was. It would be the common like, hey, share this webinar link that we just put out, like our company post. And then I was thinking about that the other day. I saw a post about someone saying they shared the link to like, like some event they're running. I'm like, you should want your ICP to like that, not your employees. That doesn't help. So yeah, I didn't really do too much there. Towards the end, I started to think about it a little bit more, but it was nowhere near what I've learned here at Refine and, and how to really use and curate your network. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And I, I guess, how does your personal brand or whatever you want to call it contribute to the company's pipeline? Because I think that's something that like more and more people are seeing now and like that whole dark social thing. I feel like it plays into that. But like, what's your mindset like on how it directly contributes to pipeline. Yeah, hopefully in a good way. Everyone knows Chris. Chris is Refined Labs. Chris is DGL. So our how did you hear about us forum is Chris, DGL, podcast, like everything that. So my name doesn't pop up in there. I'm completely okay with it. But one thing I do love is we do have other people on our team. Todd, for example, who's starting to break out into TikTok. We're starting to see people reference those videos, which is really cool to see. And, and that's a perfect instance of we're just like, hey, Todd, go have fun, figure this out, see what you can do. And now people are starting to see Todd is associated. And we're not putting media spend behind that. He's just testing and, and seeing as he goes. But that's 
100% his personal brand. We have not given him any guidelines around like what to do, what not to do. He's figured it out and he's found a way to speak to our, our ICP in a way that, you know, it educates them. It, it communicates something to understand. Refine Labs has some value prop that Todd's able to speak to from this. And that's driving in more business for us outside of, you know, everything that, that Chris and the rest of the team has been traditionally sharing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't give, I feel like, you know, you show up on, not like you may not show up on like those devil forums, but like people are mentioning you on LinkedIn, like all the time. It's like Chris, DG, Sam, Gatano. It's like you show up there more often than not. And I feel like that goes to show a lot of like who you are and the value that you provide every single day, which is amazing. It's like, you've worked really, really hard at that. Like what's, I guess the hardest part of, you know, building this for yourself like do you struggle at all from a content perspective like what does that flow look like for you when you're creating content yeah it's consistency and value balancing those is definitely a hard one because to me it's chris posts every day i knew from the beginning i cannot post every day that's not realistic so i was like great sam let's do three times a week that's all you need to do two times about business one time about health stick to that So setting realistic goals for myself in the beginning, I think, has made it so it's not a burden and something that I despise doing and then keeps me fresh. The value side is the other where I'm not going to put a post up just to post. Usually I post Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yesterday I didn't post. Yesterday was Wednesday. And I was just like, man, I really need to get something out there. But I didn't quite have something ready yet. So today was what I've been working on for a bit, trying to, to complete this like paid search. You're overspending, you're wasting your money. I was like, let's just sit on this a little bit longer, post it tomorrow. It's not the end of the world if you don't hit like right on that date. But the main thing there was I don't want to send something that's not fully valuable just so I can say that I hit my internal box of I showed up today on a Wednesday because I told myself to. So really making sure that the things that I talk about are things that I wish I had when I was coming up, when I was learning marketing. So I'd say those two are are probably the the biggest things. And then for me personally, also, it's the the two-way communication. So for so long, it's been company pages, push, 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 and then there's nothing on the back end of it. If someone reads my post, if someone asks me a question, I want to be there to answer it. Because I mean, if they're taking the time to engage and learn, I'm absolutely going to be like, thank you so much. I want to continue to develop that and make sure that I'm helping them if it's a question to further clarify or if they're challenging. Use that to figure out, okay, where do I need to shore up this? Because they have a valid point. And so I'm missing that. Let's work on that and use that to keep fine tuning what I'm working on. So I'd say all three of those things are really, I'd say the hardest part that I've worked to say, those are the core things that no matter what I'm doing with my personal brand, those are the three things that I need to stick to. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's there's, there's oftentimes where I feel like, not that I push out content just to push it out, but like, there's times where I'm just like, I post five days a week. Sometimes I've been testing, like posting twice a day. And it's like, I don't pre-schedule anything. I don't pre-write anything. It's like, I just try to think of something. And like, it's gotten to a point where it's like, sometimes I'm just feeling burnt out. And someone that we both know, Pete Lorenko, he's just like, you know, why don't you just go to like three days a week and just post when you, you know, have something to say. And I mean, you bring up some really great points. So I appreciate you saying that for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to, when you put that pressure it's easy to burn out on it, you know? So it's like, how do you find that balance where you you want to keep doing it and adding that? So I think that's interesting that, that you definitely brought that up. That you're starting to hit that point and it's like, what are you doing about it now? Yeah, yeah, it's, I got to fix it. <laughs> that's for sure. And so I'm, I'm going to probably decrease the the number of times that that I post overall and just kind of focus on the, the value versus the fluff. Everyone, LinkedIn is so fluffy, but 
there's only, you know, I don't want to say there's a handful. There's a lot of people that provide value, but it's like focusing on that aspect of it. And I think it's important, you know, you mentioned Todd. And so I I love Todd's TikToks. I was fortunately in one. Like, I just, I think they, they crack me up every single time he posts one. And so there's always new things that are popping up around social. Like, how do you figure out where to devote your time? Because, you know, you mentioned Todd, you know, you have people expanding to TikTok and not just Todd. I see other refined people that are on TikTok. I know you've got, you know, YouTube, like how do you, how does each person within Refine Labs choose what to focus on? I mean, it's the things that it's like, where do they want to learn? Where do they want to grow and really just enable them to do that? So that's the one thing that I touched on a little bit earlier. I love being challenged around my thoughts, my opinions, because that's where you really start to learn to sharpen it up. And also the more exposure to people who they may have already experienced that or they've seen a flip side of it. So letting people know that, look, we're not looking for you to be a true expert or to be wrong or to be right about everything. Just go out and and join the conversation and be a human about it. Do it in the way that you like. Some people like to write. Some people like to make videos. Some people like to do drawings. We're not going to tell you how to do it. We just want to let you know that we support whatever it is that you want to do to continue that conversation. It's always a great mindset to have it like that. I'm curious on this piece because you have a team, you have a ton of abilities, you have a diverse skill set. How do you manage your responsibilities with being active on LinkedIn, but client obligations as well? Because I feel like that's something that a lot of people that I talk to, I did a LinkedIn audio room the other day, and it was on how you create a brand for yourself while working a corporate job. And it's like, it's tough because some companies feel like you're splitting your time a little bit. And if they're not supportive of that, it can become an issue. So how do you manage your responsibilities with that? Yeah. I mean, the point you bring up is, I think, the biggest thing to to figure out at the top, because if the company's supportive of it or not supportive of it, that's going to dictate how it falls out. If they're supportive of it, that's something that they understand is going to drive business for them in the long run if you do it well. So if they're smart, they should be empowering you to do that and just say, you know, use common sense. Don't be spending all your time on this. Still get your job done, but we're all for it. If you have a company that's not supportive of it and you have to do it after hours or other things, I think there's going to be some growing resentments that start to occur on both sides. The leadership's like, well, if they're willing to work after five o'clock, why aren't they doing it for us? Why are they focusing on their brand or are they thinking about going elsewhere? So how it starts out at the leadership level is really important. So when you go down into the, the organizations that do want to empower your team, it's thinking about how do you schedule it into your day? So Picking out, do you think best in the morning, in the evening, in the afternoon? Like, when do you want to engage and and carve out a time that you want to be doing it? Some people say, I'm only going to do it from eight to nine in the morning. After that, nothing else. Some people hop in and out, five minutes between meetings, downtime, do it in the way that works there. But for me personally, I post in the morning. I like to engage for the first little bit. That's when I do a lot of my heads down work. And then I'm usually, you know, chatting with people, with clients in the afternoon. I'll come back to it in the evening. Again, I always like to make sure people are commenting. I'm coming back to it. But yeah, it's just understanding that it's not a full-time job and also not putting the pressure on yourself to feel like if you do start this brand up, that it's an eight hour a day thing. I mean, you should want to enjoy it and also not get caught up in the dopamine rush of everything and then be all of a sudden addicted to your phone and everything else. So it's a balancing act that everyone really has to figure out for themselves and just know where do you need to put your limits to make sure that you're doing your job well, but you're also doing the things that you want to be doing to grow. Yep. Yeah. Well said for sure. I completely agree with you there. You know, I feel like 
the more people that are developing their brand, I feel like, you know, this in March will be two years for me from posting content regularly. You know, some people were ahead. You think of people like Chris, Justin Wells, G, like they, they were all kind of doing it early on. But people see there's no immediate benefit sometimes. So they quickly abandon it and consistency comes back. Like, how do you, what are your thoughts on playing the long game versus the short game when it comes to creating your own brand and like still keeping your head in the game, knowing that like, hey, I'm just setting myself up for future success. It might take a little bit. And I feel like every post that you post, it blows up now. But like, how did you get your, keep your head in the game while you were starting out? Yeah. I mean, it's like you said earlier, the long game and knowing what you want to get to is the biggest point. It's, you know, to use the data gym analogy, you don't go to the gym, have one session, and then, you know, you've got a six pack or whatever. It's consistency over time, continuing to add value, continuing to do the things that you need to do. It's going to get that. So for me, it's, it was a thinking about the long game and knowing I'm not going to reach Chris's engagement probably ever. And I'm completely okay with it. You know, he was an early adopter. Don't set unrealistic expectations from the beginning. So lead with value, but also, you know, I needed to know why I was doing it. So early on, you know, I wasn't doing it for the likes. I wasn't doing it for the follows. If you do it for validation, you're not going to stick to it in the long run. I wanted to be continuously learning, give myself opportunities to have holes poked in my thoughts, to continue to strengthen skills, insights, and honestly, just get input from a lot of people who are way smarter than me, which is what I found on LinkedIn. So thinking about the balance between why you're doing it is really important. And then I've had some great relationships that I've made on LinkedIn that I never would have thought I'd have otherwise. I mean, you and I wouldn't be chatting, Pete, like a number of other people that I've learned leaps and bounds from more in the past year than I had, you know, the previous 10 years combined and then add on college too. I would say this last year alone has been exponential growth. And so really focusing on why you're doing what you're doing and what do you want to accomplish and then not getting caught up in vanity metrics or, or trying to just set unrealistic goals for yourself and knowing that this is, it's the long play, it's your career that you're talking about and putting yourself in a good position to excel over time. Yeah. You nailed that, that perfectly. Like I couldn't agree more with you. And that's been my whole focus. And that's kind of like what I talk about. All right. So I have, I have two final questions for you. I know we're coming up on time. So the first one is, and I'm always curious on that as a marketer, who are, you know, two to three people, doesn't even have to be people within refined labs, but who are two to three marketers that you look up to is like, you love their content. You love the advice or value that they put out there, or you just, maybe they're not active on social, but someone that you just like learning from. Yeah. One is Megan. So Megan Bowen, our COO, she's my manager. I've learned more from her than I ever could imagine. And it's, she came into marketing or fine lab. So that's not her strong suit, but it's really the, she's such a good person and knows how to, to handle relationships, really demonstrate empathy. So she's someone that I'm learning from every day and we're incredibly lucky to have her at our organization to say the least. And then another to not give you, you know, the standard Chris, DG, Godano, all those names. It's actually a, a guy that I've been chatting with. I met him on LinkedIn a, a handful of, of years ago, but his name's Evan Anderson. He is an SDR. He transitioned from the military over to that. But he and I talk all the time because he gets the, the dark funnel, all of that approach, but he's on the sales side. So we like to have conversations about what are you seeing from this? How are you leading into conversations where you're not just batch and blasting crap emails to everyone? Like, how are you really developing that? And so we like to talk about this new, it's like, what would a perfect marketing sales alignment look like in, in today's day and age where it's not just this like lead gen engine, but really being smart, personal, relevant to go to market together. So 
I'd say those are probably the two that, that I've really gotten a lot of value from the past couple of years. No, it's nice. I appreciate you sharing that. That's, I, I feel like a lot of people always say, Chris, DG. So I appreciate you going outside of that and, and mentioning others. Last question, but what can we expect more from Stan? Like, I feel like your trajectory from what you've created for yourself, everything at Refine Labs, like, what can we expect to see more from you on LinkedIn in 2022? Like, do you have any goals or like where you want to end 2022? Yeah, that's a million dollar question. I want 10,000. Fo- no, I'm kidding. I don't have follower goals. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really, it's sticking to the consistency, adding value and, and really using it to continue to, to sharpen my skills. So as I do get further away from platform execution, the conversations are still what keeps me sharp and knowing what's going on. What are the changes taking place? What does this mean for marketing moving forward? So keeping a, a pulse on everything, it's a really good way of keeping myself accountable is through LinkedIn, through conversations like this, where it's like they always say, yeah, if you teach it, you can truly understand it. And so that's what forces me to stay on top of it. So that's a big thing from the LinkedIn standpoint. But otherwise, as you've seen, our team's continuing to grow. So also spending, if not more time with the team and how do I continue to empower them to bring the skills to work with clients if they want to think about building their personal brands? How do I show up in the way that leads a good example for them? I love that. Love that. Absolutely. Sam, I know you spend a lot of time on LinkedIn, but you know, where can people go to connect with you? Where can people go to learn more about Refine Labs? Anything else you want to plug here? Feel free. Yeah. I mean, LinkedIn is where I spend time. If you try to find me on Facebook, Instagram, you probably will, but I haven't posted anything in way too long. So you're welcome to, to try to find me there. LinkedIn is where I spend all my time. It's where I share a lot of thoughts. So definitely connect with me on that. Refine Labs, I'm sure a lot of your audience knows who Chris is. But yeah, I mean, our team is incredibly outspoken on LinkedIn, to say the least. So you can find any of us on LinkedIn. We've got a podcast, website, all the usual places. If you search Refine Labs, we're going to pop up. Cool. Sam, thank you so much for joining me. It was an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Yeah, it's been fun. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for listening to Rep Your Brand. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And if you learned something new today, it'd be great if you left us a review. We'll catch you next time.